The thing with Jesus, when he shows up, he brings his whole world with him. And everything changes. Can we give a hand to our ensemble and our, our worship team for this morning? Incredible time together. Man, so good to be with all of you this morning. And um, always, always great Sunday when we get to be together. And we're, uh, we're excited just because, man, not only are you here, but we're here and God's here. And uh, I love it when God shows up and, and shows off and does what he wants to do. We want to welcome all of you here this morning. We also want to welcome all of our friends and family watching online. Can we welcome our online community this morning? Thank you for tuning in, wherever you're watching from. We're so thankful for you and great to be here. You know, we began this year believing uh, God that 2019 is a year of Jesus victories in in different areas of our lives, the big areas, the small areas. And we've been, we've been declaring this one verse in the Bible that we're, we're just owning it. We're saying this is our verse for the year. It's what we're believing God for. It's Zephaniah 317. Almost every Sunday we've been sharing this verse with you uh, because we'd love for you to memorize it. We'd love for you to own it. We'd love for you to say it out loud throughout the week because this is what we're believing God for. In fact, if we could all say it out loud uh, together, let's say it out loud. Out and then loud together. Uh, all together, let's begin. The Lord your God, victory, victory with you. And He will refresh your life with His love. Come on. Hey, turn, turn to your neighbor and tell them there's a Jesus victory waiting on you. Yeah, see, it's waiting on you because it's already there. It's waiting on you. And uh, we're going to run into, smack dab into a victory before long. And so um, that verse is uh, memorize it, get it in your heart, get it in your soul. And uh, listen, turn your Bibles, two places in the scriptures this morning. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin there in just a moment. And put a bookmark um, in Isaiah 55. Turn to Luke 15. Luke is the third book in the New Testament, the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, so it's towards, uh, towards the New Testament. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to start there. And then if you've got a ribbon like my Bible does, put it in Isaiah 55. Isaiah is one of the major prophets found towards the middle of the Bible, past Psalms, before the New Testament. It's in the uh, Old Testament. And so Isaiah 55, we're going to hit Isaiah towards the end of the message. So put your bookmark, whatever you have there. If you're using a smart device, then click on Luke 15. We're going to start there in just a moment. Luke 15 is, is a chapter where Jesus was asked the question, why do, you hang, why do you hang around bad people? And so his response was Luke 15. And he shared the story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Many of us know the story as the prodigal son, um, the story of a young man who had left his home, took his father's inheritance, and went off and spent it all. And we're going to read that story in just a moment. It's one of, one of uh, Jesus' most popular stories that he shared. And so um, as we share this story, here's the question that I want us to answer. I want to answer the question, why come home? Why come home? Because what you'll see in this story is a son that leaves home and he tries to do it 
um, outside of relationship with the Father, outside of the home. He tries to do life outside, um, disconnected from the Father, and it doesn't work. And so he ends up coming home. And so the question is why? Why come home? And one of the things that we're going to see when we read the story is that not only is this this young man's story, but this is our story. It's my story. It's your story. We just happen, happen to be at a different place in this story. And so we want to ask the question, why come home? And we're going to answer that question. But first, let's read Luke chapter 15. We're going to begin with verse 11. Verse 11, if you've got a red letter edition, uh, which means that the Bible highlights the, what Jesus said with red letters, then, then almost everything we're going to read is in red letter. It says this, then he said, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me, my inheritance. And so the father divided, divided to them his livelihood to both sons. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with what the Bible calls prodigal living, prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine or the pigs. He, he ran out of money, got himself a job feeding pigs. And verse 16 says that he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods or the slop that the pigs ate, that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Imagine the kind of condition that this young man was in, that he was so hungry that the slop he was feeding the pigs looked good. Um, verse 17 says, very important verse, when he came to himself, he had an aha moment, and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare. And here I am, I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me like one of your hired servants. So he practiced this speech that he was going to tell his daddy. The Bible says that he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I don't know if any of you have ever run away from home. Um, I, never, I never did. I, I'm sure I thought about it at some point in life, maybe as a young kid and not liking something my mom or dad asked me to do or but I've, I've never ran away from home I'm sure I thought about it um, and uh, realized that I wouldn't make it too far maybe you're here and you did run away from home maybe you've got a story I kind of wish I did because it would have worked really well this morning about my run, running away story but I just don't have one there's some people in this room maybe you do you do have a story of running away Maybe you were 18 and you just knew that when I turn 18, I'm gone. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm just leaving. I'm running as far away as I can. 
this wasn't as much of a runaway story as it was a young man who don't know exactly how old he was, but he pretty much just figured that he, he could, he's got this. I could do life on my own. And the Bible says that he went off and very compelling story. Jesus shares this story to paint a picture. And the reason Jesus often uh, shared parables or shared stories is because when, whenever Jesus did that, is he, paints, he paints a picture in your head or in your heart to show you a spiritual truth. In other words, every time Jesus, sh Jesus shared a story, that the stories hit the heart and, and you understood the spiritual significance behind the story by the picture or the world that Jesus created with words. When he was asked why he hangs around the kind of people he was hanging out with, he begins to tell them a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and now this lost son. A very compelling story, a very powerful story. The prodigal son who goes off with his father's inheritance, lives it up, goes out and parties hard, gains a lot of new friends. The Bible says in a faraway country, spends it all. We don't know how long it took him to go through all of his daddy's money, but he ends up going through all of it, all of it. He becomes broke, doesn't have a job, can't feed himself, so he decides to get a job. He's too proud to go back home, and so he tries to make it on his own and gets a job feeding feeding pigs, and uh, the Bible says he's hungry, and he's so hungry and so broke that the slop that he's feeding to the kids, the pigs, start to look good. And he says, the Bible says, no one would give him anything to eat. He has an aha moment and says, wait a minute, I'm better off being a servant in my daddy's house than doing this. They've got enough to eat. And he comes back home. And so the question I want to answer is the question that this young man had to answer himself, and that was, why come home? Why come home? It's the question I want us to answer here today, why come home? And I want to give you just a few reasons why that we see in the scriptures. And the first one we find in verse 14 where the Bible says, but when he had spent all there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. So number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number one, why come home? Because we are broke. We are broke. This young man was broke. That's, what, that's how we would classify the condition that, that he was in. But listen, I'm talking about broke on the inside. He was broke on the outside, but why come home? Because we are broke on the inside. We're broke on the inside. See, see life, life is like when you bring a package home and the box says, some assembly required. And, and so that's what life's like, that life isn't automatic, that no, no matter what side of the tracks you were born in, 
that life isn't automatic. That life doesn't just happen. A great life doesn't just happen. That there is some assembly required. And you bring this box home and you open it up just to find all kinds of pieces and an instruction manual on how to put stuff together. And, and there you are trying to put your life together because some assembly is required. But here's the problem with life, is that although life is like that, what we don't realize is that the box that our life came in and all of the pieces that we have to put together, we don't realize that there are broken pieces and there are missing pieces. That when we set off to build a great life, and we go after it like this young man did. He thought he had everything when he got his inheritance. He thought, I could do this without the father. I could do this without the covering of home and without relationship with my father. I can go off and assemble this life. And what he realized was that when he opened up the box, yes, there were some pieces in there. There were some things that were happening that were popping for a while. But he realized, wait a minute, there are broken pieces and there are missing pieces. And what happens in life when you're living with brokenness on the inside, you'll end up in a place where you're broken on the outside. Because internal realities become external realities over time. And so the a reason to come home is because we're broken on the inside. And what I love about the Word of God is it does a perfect job dissecting the human condition. Because at every level of philosophy and sociology, there's a set of questions that secular men and women are seeking to answer. And that is, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? Why are we broken? Why are we bent? Why is there a bent that we have towards addictions and towards anger and towards bitterness and towards depression and towards brokenness? What's wrong with us? Why are we broken? Why are we bent? Why do we have a bent, not towards God, but away from Him? And the Bible does a great job of dissecting the human condition. And while the general consensus of all of those schools of study is environment, some will say it's, it's, it's nurture versus nature. It's the home you grew up in. It's the environment you grew up in. The Bible makes it clear that, listen to me, you and I were born broken. We were born broken. We didn't learn brokenness. We were born broken. Yeah, maybe you had a rough upbringing. Maybe your, your environment at home wasn't wonderful, wasn't great. But the truth is, had you been born in a perfect home, you would have broken it the day you arrived. Because we were born broken. We all were. We all were born with a bent, not towards God, but literally anti-God. Born broken, born bent, born broken, bent hearts that lead to broken lives, rebellion against our creator. 
And I know what some of you are thinking. Wait a minute. I'm generally a good person. Generally a good person. But so was the son. Things were popping for a while. Things were good for a while. He was doing okay. But listen, it's not just you at your worst that's the problem. It's you at your best that's the problem. Because no matter how good enough we think we can be, we're still were born with broken and missing pieces in our assembly box of life. And although this piece looks like it fits, and you just jammed it in there, and it's working okay for now, I'm telling you, we were born with broken and misses, missing pieces. We were born broken. In fact, the Bible says in Revelations 3.17, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you're wretched, we could say prodigal, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He said, you're walking around like the emperor with new clothes. You remember that story? This emperor who loved fashion, he loved, you know, good clothes, he loved dressing, he loved all that went with it. And these two guys come and they dupe him and convince him that they have the finest quality of cloth and material that they can make for him a wardrobe that only the people with loyal and royal eyes would be able to actually see it. And convinces this emperor, when they make nothing and place nothing on him, and as that emperor is sitting and standing in front of that mere butt naked, you know, thinking that he's looking good, thinking that he's wealthy, that he has everything, and he begins to go around the kingdom naked, Thinking that he looks good, not knowing that he's actually wretched and miserable and naked. Until a little boy shouts out and says, hey, emperor, you're naked. And the truth is that we live life that way, thinking that we're okay without a relationship with God through his son Jesus. And we try to fake it until we make it. But the truth is, we're like that emperor with new clothes on. We think we've got it going on. We think that we've got it all together. But the truth is, there's been a little boy, a little Puerto Rican boy that stopped by to say, hey, you're wretched and naked and miserable. I'm calling it out, but let's get some clothes on you to fix it. We're born broken. Why come home? Because we're broke. Many of, many of us live broken lives on the outside because the reality on the inside is brokenness. And your internal realities become your external realities over time, every time. Why come home? Because we're broke. Number two, why come home? Verse 16 of Luke 15 says, And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine or the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. It's number two, because we are hungry. We're broke and we're hungry. We're hungry. Isaiah 29.8 says it like this. A hungry person dreams of eating but wakes up still hungry. A thirsty person dreams of drinking, but is still faint from thirst when morning comes. 
You know, it's one thing to be broke. It's quite another to be broke and hungry. Hungry for acceptance. Hungry for love. Hungry for relationship. Hungry for peace. Hungry for healing. Hungry for belonging. Hungry for something more. It's one thing to be broken. It's another thing to be broke and hungry. Why come home? Because we're broke and because we're hungry. And many of us are broke and hungry on the inside, trying to change the outside. And as Americans, we are the best at that. Americans in our culture, because there's such a level of comfortability that even the poorest among us are some of the richest, the, rich, the, the richest people around the world, the poorest among us. We've become comfortable in our separation from God. And we've invited things into our lives that make our external, the outside of our living comfortable to try to deal with the brokenness and the hunger on the inside of us. And I'm telling you that over time, over time, the brokenness and hunger that's on the inside of a man or a woman, you cannot mask it, you cannot hide it, you cannot medicate it away. And while we're living life trying to self-medicate the brokenness and hunger on the inside by trying to get stuff to help us on the outside, none of it helps. But I'm here today to give you good news that I know a man, I know a person, I know somebody that can deal with the brokenness brokenness and the hunger on the inside of you. We've been singing about him all day. We've been worshiping him all day. We've been praising him and calling out his name all day. And you don't have to wait to die or go to heaven to meet him. You can meet him here today. You can talk with him here today. And you can give him an opportunity to change you on the inside. Go ahead and give him a praise for just a moment if you believe it. telling you, run into it all the time. And we spend most of our lives trying to counsel, trying to medicate, trying to give advice to, trying to fix stuff on the outside, when the problem is on the inside. And you run into people, if you're not careful, and they're angry, and they're proud, and they're mean on the outside. And if all you have eyes to see is what's happening on the outside, you'll miss what's happening on the inside. Because some of the meanest, grumpiest, turn you away, cuss you out, kick you to the curb, leave me alone kind of people in our world are some of the most broken, some of the most needy, some of those most wounded. And if we could only see as God sees, 
God, man sees on the outside, God sees on the inside. Because if he can change a man or woman on the inside, then the peace that they get on the inside, that internal reality, eventually becomes their external reality. You want to get peace on the outside? Stop trying to go off to Florida or somewhere to get peace around you. You've got to get peace on the inside of you for you to have peace around you. I've seen it time and time again. I'm at fault. I'm at fault. There's a store near, near my house. And I go there for quick things. My wife sends me there. Go pick this up. Go pick that up. And, th and there's this person that works there. And the first few times I met them, have you ever met somebody and you just didn't like them? Well, of course you think that doesn't happen to me because I'm a pastor and I love everybody. Wrong. They were just, they, they were rough around the edges. And I judged the book by its cover. I saw some things. And if we're not careful, us religious folks, we call it discernment. But it was me looking with man's eyes. And I didn't like this person. They were rough. They were unprofessional. They were nasty. They were mean. And, you know, if boy... Good thing they were never that with me because I would just let them know. But there they were, and months and months and months and months. And then God started working in my heart and saying, have you seen deeper? Have you looked deeper into this person? And I'm like, no, I haven't. I don't really want to. But listen, I went in there last week. This person comes up to me and says, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She says, are you a pastor? <laughs> when pastors are asked that question, there's always that moment of what are you going to say? It's the same thing is true when you're traveling and you're in the airport, you're on a plane somewhere, and they ask you, what do you do? There's that moment where you're like, well, what do I tell this person? And so I said, yes, I am. She says, you're a pastor at that church up the street? <laughs> yes, I am. Here's what they said. Can you pray for me? Yes, I can. And they begin to unfold this story. And then a customer walks in and goes to this person and says, hey, I need to talk to you. I need to meet with you. I need some advice. She was talking to me. The employee was talking to me. And obviously she had to go and talk to this customer that walked in. I said, listen, I'll, I'll pray for her while she gives you advice. The girl that walked in, the customer said, hey, you're Pastor Juan, aren't you? And I said, yeah. Hey, I need prayer. My, my point is this. Some of the people that we see on the outside are the greatest people that are so stubborn and so hard-pressed to fight against anything that's of God and push people away that even mention his name. These are people that are so broken on the inside that if 
you, God would just give you the eyes to see what he sees, the gold that he sees, the treasure that he sees, the brokenness and the woundedness. I'm telling you, there is not a community that's safe from a church that is turned on to what God is turned on to. If we could see Youngstown and Newcastle and Sharon and Farrell and Hermitage and Mahoning County and, and all of the counties around us and start seeing people but the way God sees them broken and hungry you could be broken and hungry and live on the best side of town you could have money I mean Hollywood shows us that you can be famous and wealthy and still broke and hungry why come home because we're broke and hungry. So how do I deal with that? How do I deal with my brokenness and hunger? Here's the simple answer. Come home. Come home. Come home to God because here's number three. And the last point, we're in with this. You'll find that he, God, is good. So why come home? Because God is good. God is a good father. Here's what the Bible says in Psalms 107 verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with what? With goodness. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if your soul is longing for something that no one can give you, that nothing can give you, come home. Why? Because God and He alone can satisfy the longing soul that is longing for wholeness and peace and forgiveness and belonging. Only God can do that. But you must come home. Isaiah 55, the last verse that I've asked you to turn to, says this. It's a rhetorical question that God is asking. It's rhetorical because he asks the question, is anyone thirsty? And he knows that everyone's thirsty. We're all thirsty. We're thirsty. We're hungry for acceptance, for belonging, for love, for peace, for healing, for wholeness. We're thirsty. And we brought things into our world to try to medicate and try to deal with the thirst and the hunger. It's why Facebook is so popular. It's why Twitter and social media stuff is so popular. Because we're so thirsty. Always trying to go on there to get as many likes as we can. Because it triggers a dopamine part of our brain that's like a hit on a drug. And for a moment our thirst is satisfied. But we've got to go back to it and back to it and back to it and back to it. And fall into addiction because we're thirsty and it doesn't quench the thirst. Doesn't quench it. And so God asks, is anyone thirsty? Come home and drink. Even if you have no money. Even if you think that you don't qualify. Even if you don't think... That, that, you, that you're not, that, that people tell you, you you're not worthy of it. You ever have to sign up for something and be pre-qualified to do it? 
Everybody has been pre-qualified to come home and drink and deal with their hunger and thirst because Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago paid the price for you to come home and deal with the brokenness and hunger and thirst in your life. That's what Jesus did. Go ahead and thank him for just a moment. He says, come home. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does, does you no good? Listen to me. And you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest of food. Come to me with your ears wide open. I think it's hilarious that God says through the prophet Isaiah, come if you're thirsty and drink. Come if you're hungry and eat. And he doesn't say come with an open stomach or with an open mouth. He says come with open ears. Come to me with your ears wide open and listen. And you will find life. You'll find life. Here's the problem we have with that. When we say life, and God says life, we're talking about two completely different things. And we lose the emphasis and the power of the language. Because when God says, come and you'll find life, you sit back and say, hey, I'm already living. I've got life. But it's completely different than what you could even imagine or think. It's like, I don't know if I have time to share this, but it, it's, it's, like, um, it's like the time that my buddies in college, see, I grew up, I grew up Puerto Rican home. Puerto Rican home, I grew up Puerto Rican home. I grew up with my mom was cooking Puerto Rican food. And listen, Puerto Rican food is not like any other kind of ethnic Hispanic food. So I never ate anything else but Puerto Rican food. And on occasion, McDonald's and stuff like that. I go away to Bible college and I, I get, <laughs> I got some white friends that want to make me feel at home. And so they take me to a Mexican restaurant. So we sit down at the Mexican restaurant, and they pull up this menu. And the menu has things on there. I know what some of them are, but I don't know what some of them are. And so there we are, and I, I see rice and beans, so I order rice and beans. I know what rice and beans are. And I order some things that are familiar to me. But then it comes out. The owner comes to the table, and my friends were excited. They said, man, we wanted to bring you here. And I said, well, I've never eaten Mexican food. They said, what, what do you mean you've never eaten Mexican food? And I had to tell them, I'm not Mexican. I never had Mexican food. Yeah, yeah but you're, you're Hispanic. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm not Mexican. The owner comes out. His name is Juan. There you go. <laughs> my name is, meet our friend Juan. 
He's never had Mexican. You've never had Mexican food? No, I've never had Mexican food. But your name is Juan. I know. I get it. I'm Puerto Rican, dude. So one of the things I order is rice and beans and, and a tamale. A tamale. We call them tamales. Now, the Puerto Ricans have a version of tamales, but so do the Mexicans. So when it came out, it, the rice, first of all, the beans don't, not, don't look like mom's beans. They're different. In, in other words, when they said tamales and I said tamales, when they said rice and beans and we said rice and beans, it's two completely different things. We're, com- we're speaking at a completely different level. It's a completely different language. When God says, come to me to find life, we think he's saying, hey, come and I'll help you to survive. And we look at that and say, well, I'm already surviving. But that's not what God is saying when he says, come to me and you'll have life. God's life is like death to us. Because when God calls you to life, he doesn't just call you to survive, he calls you to thrive. He calls you to live beyond and above anything you've ever thought, imagined, or experienced. So when Jesus has come so that you may have life, come home so that I can give you life. When we say life compared to his life, it's like, it's, it's the difference between death and life, darkness and light. And we only know it when the light gets turned on. And we come home and we see the Father for how he truly is. He's good. It's not come home to a religion or a church or a philosophy. It's come home to God. And the reason this is important is because one of the things that we struggle with in this community and in this region is God confusion. We're confused about God. And we cannot afford to be confused about God. Because what we think about God determines how we view everything else in life. And so let me just share a few things with you. For you not to be confused about God. Listen, God is good. And he's always good. He's not just cosmically good out there somewhere. He's good to you. He's good to me. Personally. And God is for you and not against you. He's for you. He's not against you. Why is that important? Because some of you think if you grew up like me, listen, I believe that in the right hand of God, the Bible says in my right hand there's there's pleasures forevermore. But I believe that in his left hand was a belt and he was hiding it. His right hand, there was good things, but on his left hand, he never showed it. I never seen the belt, but I knew it was there. There was a switch. And depending on how well I was, on how good or bad I was, would determine which hand I would get. That's how I grew up. Confused about God. And there are many people that are confused about God. You find it in a statement. When you invite them to church, they'll say something like this. You don't want me to go to that church. It'll burn down. Lightning will strike. See, because a lot of people know how bad they are. You don't have to tell people how bad they are. We know it. I know how bad I am. 
they don't know is how good God is. What they haven't encountered yet is how good God is. And you can be the baddest individual out there. But your badness in no way compares to an, to an ounce of God's goodness. When God's goodness shows up, I'm telling you, it will invade enemy hell territory to come after you, to save you, to heal you, to, to heal you, to make you whole, to restore you, to, to bring you back to life. Because he's for you, not against you. And here's something else. You belong. You belong. You belong. You belong. You belong in the family of God. There's room for you. There's a place for you. There's a seat at the table for you. You belong in the family of God. There's room for you. You belong in God's house. Come home. Why? Because he's good. He's for you and not against you. And you belong. This son didn't know what to expect when he came home. He didn't know what to expect. And so he came up with this wonderful speech. I know what I'll say. And some of us live life that way. You have plans. I'll come to God. I'll come home one day. One day. This is what I'll say. He had a speech and he, on his way home, isn't it amazing? You read it in the Bible in Luke 15. He didn't even give his speech. Do you realize that it's possible in an atmosphere like this or watching me online right now that, that you don't even have to wait for the preacher to say, if you need prayer, just come up and then repeat this prayer after me. You don't even have to give the speech and God will save you right where you are. He'll find you right where you're at. He'll find you no matter where you are. One of our staff pastors got born again smoking a blunt in his friend's basement. What's that about? That's God the Father running after a son or a daughter at the moment that he sees a slight turn in his direction. Open wide your ears. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you're broken... Why open wide your ears? Because you have to listen to the call. Come home. Come home. Why? Because we're broken and we're hungry. And there's no one else that can deal with your brokenness and hunger. Only one. His name is Jesus. That's it. The only one qualified. The only one is Jesus. That young man comes home. And he begins his speech, dumbfounded. His dad just kissed his neck, cried on his shoulder. And he begins his speech. His dad says, shh. Hey, guys, come. Bring his robe. Bring his sandals on his feet. Bring, bring the ring. Hey, the fatted calf that we've been saving up for a party, bring it. Let's go. And then he says this, my son was dead. Now he's alive 
he was broken, he was hungry, but now he's found life. He's found wholeness. He's found, he's, found, he's found wholeness. He's found his way back home. He's come home, and I'm a good father, and I do things well. And he said this. He said, let's make merry. In other words, that's the Bible's way of saying let's throw a party. Let's throw a party. And the Bible says that the older brother was out in the field, and he heard a commotion and a noise. People out in our community should hear something about a church. And we often don't hear anything about churches because there's no parties going on. You know why? Because there's nobody coming home. We inspire people. We have good programs. We do, we do, we do nice music. We do great things like that. But listen, we've got to be a church where people come home. We've got to be a party church. We got to be a church where people come home and people in the community are saying, what's that that I hear? That's a party. Where's it at? It's at the church. What's happening? People are coming home. Let's go check out the party. That, that older brother, the Bible says he comes to the house. He opens up the door. You know what he sees? He sees two, two things. He, he hears one thing and sees another. He hears singing and he sees dancing. And the young brother is... Dad had moved away all the chairs, and there he is on the dance floor, dancing. He's dancing on the dance floor. Why? Because he's come home, and Daddy's throwing a party. And there's something that happens. It's one thing, all the stuff that occurred, Daddy hugging him, Daddy kissing him, the robe, the shoes, the ring. But have you ever been to a dance party? I know I'm at church, but have you ever, have you ever been somewhere you, where you celebrated in dancing? You just, you, you forget about everything. You don't care how you look. Trust me, some of you don't care how you look. You're just out there and you're doing your thing, you're doing your moves, you're enjoying each other, you're celebrating, you're having fun, there's life in it. And that's what this young man experienced, that's what God wants you to experience. And I'm here to tell you that this space right up here in this church, this is the dance floor. This is the dance floor where miracles happen. This is the dance floor where sons and daughters, they come home. This is where healings happen. This is where relationships are restored. We've got to bring dancing back to the church. I grew up, they used to tell me, you've got to take dancing out of you. We've got to bring dancing back to the church. Your father dances. Your father sings over you. Your father's got some moves. Your father has some moves. And he hasn't even, he hasn't even shown you his best move yet. There's another move of God that's coming. You think you know how God moves. You think you know how God dances. But God is saying, I'm a creator. I invent stuff. I create things out of nothing. I've got another move. I've got a new move. I've got a new dance. I've got a new tune that my children will dance to. And many will hear and many will come because they'll hear the music and they'll see the dancing and they'll find freedom and they'll join in the party. Somebody give him praise for just a moment because he's that good.
every head bowed, every eye closed, we're, we're ending. With every head bowed and every eye closed, before you're dismissed. Even if you're watching online, go ahead and bow your eyes. Bow your head, close your eyes. Bow your head, close your eyes. You're watching online. You may be with your family, just do it. In your kitchen, your bedroom, wherever you're watching from. If you're able to, shut your eyes. In no way am I asking you to do this so that I could coerce you or manipulate you in any way. That's not why I'm asking you to do this. Well, why are you, Pastor? Because I want to give you privacy. I want to give you privacy right where you're at. With no one looking around, I want you to right now look into your soul. Look into your soul, and if you cannot find proof that Jesus Christ has forgiven you of your sin and has made you whole, friend, that's something that must be immediately fixed. And you cannot afford to leave here today without giving Jesus that opportunity to make you whole. So if that's you here today, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something. But it's not a favor to me, it's a favor to you. In just a moment, if you're here and that's you, just a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. But it's a very different reason than what you think. A very different reason than what you think. This is the most important decision that you never postpone. This is the most important moment that you, sir, ma'am, you can't afford it to just let slip by. And so in just a moment, when I ask you to slip your hand up, it's not a favor to me, it's a favor to you. Because I'll pray for you. But I can't unless you do me that one important favor and that slip your hand up on the count of three. One, don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. Take courage. Say yes to Jesus. Two, forget about all the others. Three, now slip them, slip them up real quick. I see you, ma'am. Come on, quickly. I see you, young man. I see you. All around. I see you in the back. God bless you. Keep them up. Keep them up. I see you. I see you. Couple right there. All the way in the back. I see you. I see you. I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. All the way in the back. I see you. I see you all the way in the back. I see you. I see you, young man. I see you over here on the side. All the way in the back on this side. I see you. I see you. I see you. Listen, you think you're the only one and that everyone's staring at you. No one's staring at you. I see you. But more importantly, God sees you. God sees you. Right where you're at. God sees you. God sees you. And he's calling you home. He's calling you home. He's calling you home. Now here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. In just a moment. When we do, those of you who slipped your hand up, when we do that, you're going to do something very courageous. And the hardest step is going to be the first step. Every step after that is going to be easy. But as soon as we stand up, every person in the front, in the back, on the sides, all around that slipped your hand up, as soon as we stand up, I want you to get out your seat. I want to pray for you but I need you to come up here to the front. Come to the dance floor. We're going to pray, and I want to pray for you. Let's all stand to our feet. Every person that slipped your hand up, come down now, quickly. All the way in the back, sir, ma'am, come on, you know who you are. Just come quickly. Young man up here, come. Come on. Just come. Don't delay. Don't delay. In the back. Just come over here on the side. Just come. 
Come on, you're not alone. Just come. Just come, just come, just come. Come home. Come home. Come on, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, come home. Come. miracle is going to happen in just a moment in your life. I can't save you. But I know who can. His name is Jesus, and he's real. And often pastors and churches, we've not represented them well. Some have done their best. Jesus he's so good so loving so forgiving so amazing and he will do the miracle in just a moment of saving your soul and giving you right relationship with God the Father only Jesus can do that not religion not a church not a pastor all I am is a messenger I was somebody who was hungry and broken and God gave me the missing pieces of my life and the broken pieces, he put them back together. And I'm sharing with you, here's where I found the bread of life. Let's get you some of that bread so that you can live. That's Jesus. And so in just a moment, we're gonna pray a prayer. But listen, it's not like a magic formula or anything like that. There are words that you're gonna say, but you need two things to add to those words, two things. The first thing you need you already have, and you may not even know it. That's faith. See, because the Bible says that faith is a gift. And the reason I know you've got the gift of faith in this moment is because you would not have stepped out of your chair to come in front of here in front of all these people to pray this prayer. You know what that takes? It takes faith to believe that Jesus can do a miracle in just one moment. So you already have that. The second thing is sincerity. Own this. Don't just pray, pray it with, with this mouth, but pray it with the mouth of your heart. Lift this prayer up to God. And right now, right where you're standing, just go ahead and close your eyes. This is you and God. Have this conversation with Him. Make it your own. Say this out loud, using words, out loud. And church, if you can help me, help them. Say this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, here I am, just as I am. Father God, I'm coming home. I'm broken. I'm hungry. I'm a sinner. And I need you to save me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me and make me clean. Make me whole. Fill me. Now, I believe, Jesus, that you died for me and rose again on the third day 
Now with my mouth I confess, but with my heart I believe that Jesus, you're the only way to God the Father. You're the only way home. And so I come through you, Jesus, to come home. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. From this day forward, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Listen, we've got to close. We've, we've, we've gone out of time, and I apologize, but here's what we're going to do. You pray that prayer. You're up here. I don't want you to leave just yet. I don't want you to leave. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Some of you are already taking a couple of steps back, but I want everyone, those of you that are up here, Stay up here. Don't move. I'm going to give some instructions to some other people, but you stay here. Those of you that are up front, just take a few steps back and leave some space between this and you. Perfect. Just stay right there. Don't move. I want our leaders that help us pray. I want you to come down to the altar and go ahead and not only fill in the sides, but come in front of these folks as well. Because in just a moment, these leaders, they want to connect with you. They want to pray with you. And so don't leave. Before you receive prayer. Is that all right? We just want to connect with you. And so, honey, I'm going to invite you to come up as well. There you are. I'm going to invite you to come. And as our leaders are coming, and if we can get leaders to help us pray, so don't give them anything just yet. Don't give them anything just yet. Just hold on. We'll do it as soon as we dismiss. You'll be able to get those things into their hands. And Wonderful. Listen, if you need prayer for any reason, any reason at all, we want to pray for you. So at the end of this blessing, if you need prayer for any reason, you can join the folks that have already come up to say yes to Jesus. Just come up and visit with any of one of our leaders. They'll pray with you. So if you need prayer for any reason at all, we want you to come to and receive prayer at the end of this blessing. Keep your eyes open. We're going to bless all of you. And then these folks here, these leaders are going to just, they're going to get that information into your hand. They're going to pray with you. They're going to help you take your next step in following Jesus because they don't want you to miss out on all that God has for you. So make sure you get that information that we connect with them. All right, prayer team? So keep your eyes open. Hallelujah. How many love Father's house? How many love that there's a party happening in heaven? And there's a party that's getting ready to break out in here. Friends and family, Victory Christian Center, I bless you today. Live a blessed week, a blessed day. Be blessed in your homes, at work, at your job, with your families, on, uh, tr tr driving in your cars, in your schools. Be blessed. Know God and make Him known. May the goodness of God the Father, may the presence of Jesus the Son, and may the power of His Holy Spirit live in you and live through you. And may you give His goodness away to a hungry and thirsty world around you. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you.